2: All right, here we go. It is now officially college craziness basketball season. Some sort of combination of those words to describe what we are about to embark on here today, which is the busiest college hoops day postseason yet that we have. As we're looking at 31 conference games, tournaments all over the country, getting ready to uh, tip off here today. Should be a lot of fun, not to mention uh, let us not forget, we still have, of course, our NBA games going on, uh, six, in fact, coming off of a, uh, a pretty interesting night where upsets uh, did reign true. Some ridiculous totals also came back down to reality, some come-from-behind wins, and, uh, of course, a smaller card in college hoops, But. A very, uh, shall we say, a little chalky night in college basketball. We have one championship game remaining today in the Patriot League. We'll get you covered on that. And, of course, we've got announcements all over the country regarding sporting events and the coronavirus. Who will be playing, who's not playing in front of fans, uh, who just canceled everything altogether. So it is a very fluid situation as we head into what is the moneymaker. What is known as the moneymaker, certainly in the sports betting community, Uh, March Madness is without a doubt the single most heavily bet series of games that you will find over the next couple of weeks. Uh, The books love it, uh, and they should, because people who normally don't bet college basketball all year long, they are getting ready. To bet college basketball over the next couple of weeks, and it starts tonight when you got a lot of a lot of blue bloods and a lot of conference games. All the big boys are in it tonight: ACC, SEC, Big Ten, Big Twelve, Pac-12. You've got it. Uh, There's even some of the smaller conferences: the Conference USA tonight, Southland tonight, Big Sky tonight. All of those games are going to be uh, front and center. A lot of the lower seed games. Dane and I will get you all caught up with everything that you need to know. And we're going to start, guys, as early as 1130 go, Eastern go, go, time this morning. That is your first tip off. 1130. We'll get you covered. All of it coming up. But first, let's hit our boy Dan Strafford to figure out all the headlines from overnight in the world of sports here on The Grid. Welcome into the early lines. Go, go,
1: go, go for the basics.
0: Well, Joe, we take a look back at the NBA last night. Luka Doncic did his best to will the Dallas Mavericks to victory, but did not get it done. 119-109, to the San Antonio Spurs beat the Mavs. 38 points, though, 7 rebounds, 8 assists, 2 steals for Doncic. James Harden, 37 points, 4 rebounds, 7 assists, 2 steals, and a block as the Houston Rockets got back to winning ways, 117-111 to 111 over the Minnesota Timberwolves. LeBron James had a strong night, 29 points, 12 rebounds, 9 assists, and a steal as the Lakers got uh, beaten by the Brooklyn Nets, 104-102 in LA. A big win there for Brooklyn. Bradley Beal, 39 points, 3 rebounds, 7 assists, 3 steals, and a block. As the Washington Wizards and the Knicks went back and forth, big double-digit point swings in that one, 122-115 final, as the Wizards pick up the victory. And Damanis Sabonis near triple-double, 28 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists, and a steal, as the Indiana Pacers fell to the Boston Celtics, 114-111. to 111. After the Ivy League canceled their postseason basketball tournaments due to the ongoing coronavirus spread, the Mid-American Conference on Tuesday announced a, quote, restricted attendance policy for its men's and women's postseason tournaments in Cleveland, closing both events to the general public. This decision came hours after Governor Mike DeWine re- recommended that sporting events at indoor facilities in the state take place without spectators. Now, Washington Governor Jay Inslee on Wednesday will announce a ban on gatherings and events of more than 250 people in virtually the entire Seattle metro area to try to stop the spread of the coronavirus. Evan Drellick of The Athletic is reporting that the Mariners may play their season-opening series against the Rangers in Peoria, Arizona, to again deal with the coronavirus spread. And in spring training news, Gary Sanchez missed batting practice on Tuesday with what the team is calling a fever and the flu. Sanchez has been also battling a back issue as well over the past few days. We'll see if he gets to batting practice at some point this week. I'm Dan Strapper, and this has been your SportsGrid News Update.
2: All right, Dan, thank you very much. As uh, the coronavirus continues to be a topic of uh, conversation uh, throughout the country, it has now, of course, uh, worked its way into the sports arena world, and we got ourselves some uh, college, uh, like you had said, a lot of teams, especially uh, some guys uh, on Harvard and some other Ivy League schools, some players uh, completely livid with the response of the Ivy League just to cancel the tournament and allow uh, Yale to be the lone representative of course of the Ivy league in the tournament uh, some teams there and and rightfully so behind them saying it's a little bit ridiculous that uh, that nothing in between it was either feast or famine uh you know closing the locker room anything but not playing the games did not set well with a uh, a lot of the players and uh, of course families of the players there in the Ivy league but What's done is done. Yale will represent the Ivy League in the tournament. We know that. But now you watched, and I think what happened was they watched the reaction of, you know, the the Mac conference, of course, yeah. the uh uh the big, you know, the Big West conference all of a sudden looked at went that and said, you know what, maybe it's better if we just we limit the access in Cleveland, in Ohio, where they're gonna be playing those tournaments. Maybe we just limit the access to strictly family members, um, basically no general public, but the media and everybody else that would normally be at a game, including family members and those associated with the programs, they'll be allowed in the building. But, you know, every day we're, we're getting something new here as far as uh, the effects of the coronavirus and more importantly, the effects, the reaction to it and what many would say the overreaction to it here across the board. And we're still a week away from starting any sort of, you know, the four playing games aren't gonna happen until next Tuesday. So, you know, there's a lot that can happen between now and then. As of right now, the tournament directors are saying, we we have absolutely zero intention of closing anything to the public. The NBA is holding meetings uh, right now as well. They're trying to figure out exactly what they're going to do moving forward. Uh, it, it's a very fluid situation, Dane. One, one way or the other, it, this will not be the last tournament, school, conference, game, league that we probably hear uh, having some sort of response to the, uh, to the spread of the flu, basically.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You used the word fluid. I hope that wasn't just a bad pun, Joe. But, you know, even my school, Syracuse, okay, we talk about it all the time. They have decided to cancel classes and go to only online classes. You know, yesterday, Joe, I mentioned that I thought it was good that the NFL, NBA, NHL, and Major League Baseball all came out with a unified front, right, and said this is what we're doing in in response, I guess it was to like media access, right, MLS as well. But we're now seeing the difference, right? Certain conferences are doing certain things, whether it be just award the regular season champion, play it with no fans. And I think that kind of inconsistency really sends the wrong message. I think the NCAA needs to get in a room with all these conferences like today and start to come out and have what is their plan and get out of and get out in front of this because the The anxiety, the fear, the updates only are going to get worse and worse every single day. The number of cases are going to grow. The anxiety, the fear is going to grow. I think before people hop on a plane and get to Dayton or get to their site, whether you're a fan or a booster or what have you, or media member, I really think the NCAA has to get out and say something. What are they going to do? And they need to do it soon um, before fears, and travel all begin. I mean, Mm. tennis has canceled some events. You talked about, uh, Stratford talked about Seattle, what's going on. You know, like, we're not putting the toothpaste back in the tube. And I think the problem is not these able-bodied, world-class athletes. But what happens if they just get something and bring it on home to their grandparents, right? Because it's obviously the older generation. And I mean, I I have an expert fantasy baseball draft. That's happening, you know, and it's being and it's being canceled because we ain't going to the bar to do it and it's turned online. So this is impacting people in so many different ways. I just think clarity and transparency need to be the order of the day.
2: Yeah, they got to, um, they should do it sooner rather than later because as these uh, conference games uh, begin today and a lot of the major conferences, of course, major conferences means major stadiums, major arenas, uh, lots of money on the line here. And let us not forget that as much as we like to pretend that college is all about the amateur athlete and the student athlete. Uh, it's all about the money. It's a uh, it's a billion dollar front, is what it is. So there's a lot of money at stake. Not for it's one thing to have the Mac go. You know what? We're not going right. to sell tickets. It's a whole nother thing for the SEC to go. You know what? We're closing our doors to the general public. Uh, that ain't going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Uh, the NBA, same situation. There's a lot of money at stake. Yeah. Refunded tickets season ticket holders, that's a giant loss of revenue. Because the truth is, when does it stop? Like, when, when do know. we get Where's
1: the going? all clear? I don't know. I mean,
2: when do we get the all clear? Like, it's never gonna, we're never gonna get the all clear, guys. And we've, the funny part is we've seen this, we've seen this movie before, whether it's swine flu, bird flu, okay. Sorry, I mean, we've that seen it across the board. The whole, and sure. it never really goes away, it just runs its course. And right. so I, I don't know, that those that are in a position of uh, revenue, you know, baseball's got hundred and sixty two games. There's only 19 games left for a lot of these uh, teams in the NBA in the regular season. That's 19 games of revenue. That's a significant portion of their revenue for the year. So uh, I, I they're gonna do everything in their power to avoid that last and final step. I think unless something drastic happens, I don't know that they're going to make it. They're gonna they're gonna give you the front like they're doing something but that's a lot of money on the line here not you know vegas uh, any place that just has a sports book open up now those are games that you know a lot of people might back off from betting altogether now so it's there's a trickle down effect that can happen and they um, they're trying their best to to put a a good face on it that we're we hear you we understand what's going on we're trying to be proactive but that's millions
1: millions because no one also gonna wants happen to beat the league that does it wrong and has head yep. on there, you know. Seems like yep, some yep. candidates are canceling rallies. The base with no fans
2: either. They need fundraising. All right, much to get to from last night. We got you covered. Coming up here on the early line. We'll do it next. It is a uh, packed day, of course, in the uh, in the NBA as well as let's not forget 31 college basketball games here. Conference uh, tournaments uh, beginning for the big boys. So we got 31 in college. We've got six in the NBA. We do have five NHL games as uh, as the NHL gets a little bit closer, of course, to uh, Stanley Cup playoff hockey, which is very unique in its own right. But Uh, Nothing more unique than uh, the conference championships right into, of course, March Madness Selection Sunday. Uh, By 6.05 p.m. on Sunday, we'll know brackets, we'll know who's playing where, except for those final four spots, which will be determined on Tuesday as the play-in games, those eight teams uh, will also uh, be announced right around that time. So a lot of bubble teams, a lot of... Uh, The beginning uh, of maybe the end or the beginning of maybe a run to the brackets for a lot of these bubble teams coming up. So with those 31 games, ton of them with ton, with uh, with pretty much all of them really have uh, have bubble implications for a lot of these teams. And uh, who knows? Is there a dark horse? Is there a Cinderella in the conference tournament? We'll go ahead and go over some of those uh, games and some of those odds coming up. But of course, the NBA last night. Uh, had its fair share of some interesting games, some upsets, some double-digit dogs proving uh, their worth. All in all, uh, last night I will start, of course, with the late-night game where the the Brooklyn Nets were given 11 and a half points on the road against uh, the Lakers, and the Nets getting their Kenny Atkinson fired. It's been an interesting right. week, but they've actually turned around and played some pretty darn good inspired basketball, uh, which is very interesting. And 104-102 later, the Nets not only covered 11.5, they won outright, which was pretty darn impressive, Uh, plus 650 on the money line. All in all, it was kind of split down the middle. You had four favorites, four dogs. You did have a a push with the Celtics, who closed as minus three, and that's exactly what they ended up beating uh, the Pacers by. But you had the Magic coming from behind, beating the Memphis Grizzlies was a big upset. Not a lot of people saw that coming. Yeah. Uh, all of a sudden, Orlando has themselves a three-game road winning streak that nobody saw coming. Uh, they've actually put it together and put it together pretty well. So uh, kudos to the Orlando Magic. And the Spurs uh, were getting uh, four against the, uh, the Mavericks. All in all, the Unders... Uh, 5-4 were the favorite last night, including that game in Houston, which you and I laughed at when we saw the number at 7 o'clock yesterday morning going, this number's already 246, 247. It got all the way up to 250, guys. And yeah, guess what? It didn't come close to 250. (laughs) But Houston did uh, make a big comeback, fell down early against uh, Minnesota. Minnesota hung tough. They covered. They were getting 12 and a half points. So Minnesota covers and the under, what a shock, double digit underdog covers and the under hits. That's a correlation, uh, that's correlation happiness right there, Dane, in those bets. And there were plenty of them last night in the NBA.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we we talked about this. Sometimes these totals just get a little bit carried away. And that was the case in Houston. You know, they were down at halftime, had a big time third quarter. You know, as I look at it, both Harden and Westbrook do their thing. But I tell you every single night, Joe, almost like when the baseball season starts, I'm going to ask you every day, is the wind blowing out in Wrigley? Right. So when the Rockets play, I'm going to ask you every single time, did they shoot 40 percent from three? And last night, the answer was exactly yes. They shot exactly 40 percent. And that gets it done for the Houston Rockets. So, you know, they keep on being that kind of wild card. We talked about it with some college teams. I think it was Wofford the other day. That was just all three pointers. Right. And this is the evolution of the NBA. They're changing the kind of the math and the geometry and the spacing of it. I believe it started with the Warriors a few years back, and the Rockets are taking it to the nth degree. We'll see how Wouldn't it, it plays nice in centered, April, but they keep on rolling. Time. Now 16 Nissan games, and I believe the three seed in the West. In your
2: lane. Yeah, yeah and on. it's also interesting, too, Dan, that yet we have a situation where... I would assist we've seen this 100 we've seen this a boatload of times so far in the NBA this season it seems to be the new norm when you have these over 240 totals because of the three point because everybody seems to you know everyone wants to chuck up and be the Steph Curry effect if you will, but the numbers don't lie guys and the numbers tell us this year in the NBA when you've got totals 240 or higher. The under is 19 and 9 guys including last night. It's 19 and 9. Yeah. It's 68% this season. It's 34 and 19 since 2005. So, it has always been extremely profitable no matter when where it is, who it is. When you see a total of 240 or higher in the NBA, and and we say it all the time, very little needs to go wrong in order for that not to hit. Like you've right. got to get things going on on both sides. Uh, any sort of extended two-minute, three-minute, four minutes in the game that they they go on a drought or a team right. all of a sudden is not shooting, that's a problem. So when oh. you see that, and we're talking it opened at 244, it closed at 250. So, I, I mean, if you didn't – if that wasn't an immediate red flag, I got a 12-and-a-half-point dog in a game that's 250 points? Like, none of it made any sense. And the numbers tell us that it shouldn't make any sense. The public comes in, bets the over, hammered the over all the way up to 250. And it was a contrarian's dream last night to be able to jump on that under. You start seeing 240s on the NBA over the next 19 games, guys, during the regular season. Understand what that is telling you. That is a red flag that goes, you know what, time to look at the under. It's been profitable to the tune of 68% this year alone.
1: Yeah, I mean, let's just break it down a little bit, Joe. 240 is 120 a piece, right? That's 30 points, that's 30 points a quarter. Okay? And yes, some teams have good quarters where they're in the 30s, right? But you have one, like you said before, one dry stretch, mm-hmm. you know, and and you're and you're toast. Okay? That's like an all-star game kind of total. You know, a lot has to go right. And uh, all it takes is that 3-minute stretch where it doesn't, and you are screwed. They have to both, both teams have to carry their portion of the bargain all four quarters. So, for example, Houston, Minnesota, yesterday, Uh I look, hey, I look in the second quarter, Minnesota gets only 21 points. How are you going to get to 250 when one of the eight quarters is only at 21 points? It just ain't going to happen. Everything (laughs) has to come up, like, you know, boxcars for you in order to make that happen. And with just too much have it I, I, I like going the other way so as it gets pumped up it just gives people like you and me a little bit of wiggle room to slide under the total
2: that's exactly correct and uh, you know there was a couple of a uh, couple of instances last night you had uh, the Celtics almost blow a 19 point lead yeah. in that game giving uh, you know giving backers a a heart attack and ended up closing at three if you got it earlier in the day when it was at one one and a half, uh, it was still a good win for you. But, man, if you waited and it got to three because Oladipo wasn't – nobody was sure if Oladipo was going to play or not. Uh, there were some questions on that. Bogdanovich is still not in there. Uh, Bragner is still not there. So, there was some questions regarding Indiana. Uh, but Boston riding a two-game losing streak going into that game on the road as a favorite, uh, if it wasn't for Marcus Smart in the last second of that uh, of that game hitting the shot there. They won by three, but – Man, they almost uh, blew it, but a good win for the Celtics. And with that win, they are now clinched for a playoff spot here, Dane, for the sixth consecutive year. And maybe, I know Celtics fans, year after year, we get to this point where maybe, just maybe, this could be the year. No LeBron in the East right now. There is some vulnerability at the top. Why not the Boston Celtics? And uh, they played pretty well last night and showed that they they can bang it around with some of the big boys in the middle as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, Joe, the Boston Celtics are one of the teams that I do believe could upset the apple cart in the Eastern Conference. And the reason is because they are deep with people. It could, like, Hayward could have an off night. It won't matter. Kemba can have an off night. It won't matter. You talk about guys like Marcus Smart. You talk about guys like Jason Tatum, who I have said for the last few months, I believe is on the precipice of being recognized as a star in this league. I think the playoffs will be a coming out party for Jason Tatum, 30.6 boards for steals. Okay. And I think that's important as well. And here's the other thing, Joe, this team, Similar, although not to the same extent, as what I will say is the Clippers out West, they, all they're worried about is that they are healthy going into mm. April. If they are healthy and have enough time to build chemistry with these guys, I think when they the are dangerous hit, out East. It's going to come down up, to health for win-stop, teams like that and, and the Clippers out West.
2: Yep. Yeah, I, and listen, it's, uh, they have a superstar. And that's one of the mainstays and one of the most, right? One of the necessities yeah. of any team. You've got to have a guy that can go out there and overtake a game, especially in the playoffs in a seven game series. Yeah. They have that guy. They've got a decent supporting cast. If they can do a lot of the little things, right? They can certainly make some noise. They're a good team and a team that you can't look past by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but again, they got 18 games left. They're already in the playoffs. Seeding is right. going to matter, I think, in the East Coast a little bit more than the West Coast, where which is going to be so top-heavy. Uh, the East Coast, you've got a lot of those one, two, three, four, maybe four top five teams in the East Coast are all going to be jockeying for a uh, position here. Let's just give the number one seed to Milwaukee, shall we say. But there's a lot to be determined in the East, including for the Celtics in these final 18-19 games. Uh, between Boston, between Toronto, between the Heat. You know, you go down the list, there are there are some teams that, uh, including Indiana, that uh, may surprise a few people here in this final stretch run. These games are important coming up in the final couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, these games are so important that I look at a team like Philly, Joe. You know, if, if Simmons and Embiid are back and starting to make yep. hay, they could drop like a stone. Yeah.
2: They, they better hurry up. <laughs> they better right. hurry up because they need them. They need them big time. They
1: don't so don't in the first yep. round coming on the road, you know?
2: Yep. Well, uh, we'll get you caught up with all the winners in college. It last night plus a look ahead. 11.30 this morning. East Coast times. our first game. Next on the grid. Dive into it, Uh, College Hoops here, 31 games on the board today. Want to welcome you into the early line. We've got you covered, everything you need to know. Some early line value, some market movers coming up as well. Who are the sharps playing? Who are the public backing? Follow the money, Uh, especially this time of year. It's a pretty good indicator as to maybe which way you should start uh, looking and uh, last night, though, if you were looking at the, the Zags to finish off St. Mary's, that was a uh, solid play as they did just that. Uh, 84-66, they took care of St. Mary's. They covered their spread as an eight-and-a-half-point closing line favorite, plus 140 on the money line. Um, they were good to go, uh, minus 140 on the money line, rather. They were able to get the, uh, the job done. It was actually... Um, really, really well done the way they did it because St. Mary's came out like we thought they would. You know, Travis Ford comes out there, drops 20 in the first half alone, keeps St. Mary's into it. It was neck and neck. And then in true Zags fashion and what they do is the second half came around and they just dominated. And all of a sudden that depth and that rotation and uh, owning the paint inside, you know, all the things that the Zags do well, uh, came to light there in the second half, so they are now, without a doubt, uh, going to be a number one seed in all likelihood. The West, uh, the Western bracket here, come uh, come Selection Sunday, you can probably pencil it in already if you are so inclined to do so. Uh, the Zags are for real. Uh, they are just a few years removed from, you know, a championship uh, game. They were bounced out, I believe, in the uh, Elite Eight last year. They. This is a good team once again, and they proved it, taking down a very tough St. Mary's team. So now those bubble teams that were all waiting to see exactly what, what does St. Mary's do, What do they would? If they win, then the Zags are gonna have to get an at-large bid. Well, now all of a sudden St. Mary's, BYU, a few of these other teams that, uh, that got bounced out there and didn't win the conference to get the automatic bid, well now they're in the pool with everybody else. So. Uh, that's why so many of these games, even today for a lot of teams, uh, some teams need to have a huge conference run here in order to be able to consider to, to make the the big tournament. And that's what a lot of these schools in these big conferences are playing for. But make no mistake, the Zags not only are going to be number one in the West, but they are going to be a favorite and they should be. This is a really good Gonzaga team in a year where a lot of teams are just really good. There's no real elite teams. Them, Kansas, you know, Dayton, kind of a cut above, but they're never going to get that love because they're the mid-major, but make no mistake, the Zags can cut down the Nets this year. And uh, I don't know what the number is. The latest number is on uh, on the championship, but uh, they should be up there. They should be considered a favorite because uh, they are a favorite as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah, and they are. They are the second choice right now to win the entire thing, okay, behind only Kansas. And what I got to tell you, Joe, is if Kansas does not win the Big 12 tournament, I could see Gonzaga as the number one team in the country and the mm. number one overall seed in March Madness, you know. And to me, what I took out of last night's game, Joe, is that their best player, Killian Tilly, Did not have a big time game, doesn't Mm -hmm. reach double digits, only has one rebound, only plays 21 minutes. But I have been looking, and I said it you know, I've said it a few times which of these big boys can win games without their A game, without their fastball? You know, when a pitcher doesn't have their pitches going and can still get it done. And to me, I told you about Ohio State who did not have a good three-point shooting night, which was their calling card, they still won. We talked about, uh, I think it was Kentucky that, like, came back on a team when they didn't have anything truly to play for and had the regular season SEC title locked up. This is an example for me for Gonzaga, right, where they're gonna be probably a one or two seed regardless. Their best player doesn't have a huge game. They are down early in the game, and they still come storming back. I think that is a great indicator of you know, the moxie and testicular fortitude of these Zags. And then when you have Mark Few as a coach who has been there, done that, I am certainly, especially here on some East Coast books, going to have Gonzaga cutting down the nets, Joe. We've talked about regional bias, right? So maybe out here, out East, Gonzaga, you'll get a little bit more value on individual games or like that. But here's my real question. Did the Gales do enough, Joe? Did Saint Mary's do enough getting to the final of their conference tournament and showing a representative effort against the Bulldo- against Gonzaga? Did they do enough to punch their ticket, you know, is the West Coast Conference a 3 bid league? Did they still steal a-, a-, a bid from, you know, the 11th Big 10 team? Well, there's a
2: lot to be determined here over the next yeah. 4 or 5 days, so it's uh, again it's not just one win one game here in the conference tournament it is going to be considered a body of work and you know the good thing for the byus of the world and for the saint mary's is that you played in a conference and played against the number one seed uh so and you still managed to win 20 plus games on the season so it's still not easy to do it's still you're still going to get credit certainly byu for beating the zags uh you know that win looks That much better now that the Zags actually finished it off and won the conference. But you got to get to you got to get through at least the early rounds of these tournaments in the ACC. Uh, The Big Ten is looking at sending 10 teams here, guys. The Big East is looking at seven teams. The Big 12 looking at, you know, five and six teams. There's there's so much to be determined here over the next couple of days. And it. You know, it starts, you talked about Kansas today. You know, Kansas has been such a mainstay. I don't know of another program, Dane, that, uh, well, there's a few of them, Duke, obviously. But when it comes to conference championships, the Big Big 12 is synonymous. It used to be the Big 8. Even then, it was when Roy Williams was there, it was all... Kansas. I mean, Bill Self has been there 17 years at at Kansas now, right? And the Jayhawks have reached the Big 12 tournament final uh, 10 times with eight championships in his 17 years there. So the numbers are there. Again, number one team, you said it, they're the favorite. They're the favorite for a reason. They deserve to be the favorite. They have been the most consistent dominant team in the country if there was going to be any elite team this year and a lot of people made the case for you know baylor and for san diego state and for dayton and you know very good but the most consistent elite team that we have in this country uh certainly based upon competition as well has been kansas and you know they're no stranger to this they are going to be the team to beat once again out of the big 12 they should be and their number is obviously for a conference championship uh, are going to be astronomical, I'm sure. It, you know, we're talking probably minus 600, 700 to win the damn uh, Big 12 year. Although anything can happen, but if they do run the table, um, then yes, their numbers are only going to get, uh, you know, more chalky as the tournament right. approaches. But they are and deserve to be the best team in the country and treated and ranked as so.
1: Yeah. They are the class, and you got to figure when they go through the Big 12 as opposed to, say, the West Coast Conference or Dayton's Conference or even the Big East, you know, because there are – whoever wins that tournament, Joe, whether it's Seton Hall, Villanova, or Creighton, they're going to have a case to be on maybe the Mm -hmm. two-line as well, I would think. But, yes, uh, they are the blue blood that has shown up this season all season long. They have big-time wins. They even went into Baylor when they were number one in the country and got the job done, but it looks like the other shoe is about to drop on Baylor, right? Joe, yeah. I mean, they've done yeah. what, like they've lost like three of their last five. I think it is mm-hmm. since, you know, yep. being the number one team in the country. So we'll see. There is a lot of moving and shaking still in these conference tournaments. And there's going to be a team, you know, let's say wishful thinking, let's say it's Syracuse, Joe, right? right? Syracuse starts tonight against North Carolina in one of the late games. If they somehow reel off three in a row but then lose in, like, the final to a team like Florida State, that improves their chances as well. Some of these Power Five conferences, these teams don't have to win the tournament. They just Mm -hmm. have to perform and get a couple of resume-building wins to really throw the calculation of the committee uh, and make it a lot more difficult.
2: You've got Baylor as the number two seed. You've got the Big 12 kicking off this afternoon uh, at the Sprint Center in Kansas City, Missouri. Of course it is, because they need any more of an edge than they already have, Kansas, right? But you are going to start off uh, tonight there with Iowa State, Oklahoma State in this matchup, guys. And there is no hotter team outside of Kansas in the Big 12 to end the season. Then the Oklahoma State Cowboys, who come into this game red hot, guys. I'm talking about on fire. They've already played, obviously. They played a couple of times during the year. But Oklahoma State, it took them a little while to figure it out. They finally got healthy towards that stretch run. And they're playing their best basketball of the season, just dominating teams. They've won three in a row, six of the last eight. Uh, And now they're going up against an Iowa State team that has no defense, lost their best asset in Halliburton as a uh, point guard about a month and a half ago. So they just kind of fell off the map from there. It's a short number. I'm shocked that this number is only six and a half. This is a shorthanded and struggling Iowa State team that just got boat raced over the last month of the season in the conference Oklahoma State at six and a half to me this is a double digit win for Oklahoma State without even beating an eye here tonight so a lot of value backing Oklahoma State Iowa State does not have the horses for this Oklahoma State is a team in the big 12 guys if you want you want to shoot for a uh, you want to shoot for a big dog you want to throw a bomb out there it ain't Kansas guys it ain't Texas Tech it's Oklahoma State coming out of the big 12
1: yeah you know one of the things you talk about here, is recent form, right, mm-hmm. Joe? And 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 this is a perfect case in point. This, um, the Oklahoma State, the Cowboys, they are hot. On the flip side, Iowa State is limping to the finish, is compromised. Rolling. Oh yes, <laughs> let's do it.
2: Yep, absolutely. Six and a half lay it, guys. I'm telling you right now, uh, Oklahoma State advances. They got their eyes set on Kansas. They know what's at stake here. So, uh, good stuff there. We'll talk about some of these other Big Twelve games, Big Ten, SEC. We'll cover them all for you. We'll get it going. Coming up next here on The Grid, sportsgrid.com. All right, guys get ready for it here as uh, conference tournaments uh, begin as early as 11:30 Eastern uh, today you will have a game in the uh, big sky as the conference tournament kicks off with Sacramento State taking on uh, Weaver State a yeah. uh, a conference game that is going to feature two totally different styles you've got a Sacramento State team that is we are talking top Top 20 in defense of efficiency. They are very efficient on offense. They don't score a lot of points, but they are going to make sure you don't reach 60. And that's a very interesting matchup coming up against Weber State that doesn't really do either all that well. And, uh, you know, you've got a Sacramento State team here who is – they split their season series between them. But the – especially in tournament time, when you're looking at games like this at 1130, it's in Boise, Idaho. Uh, right. which makes it real early in the morning uh, over there. Yeah, really? uh, this a. is a neutral site game. They both uh-huh. won on their own home court. um, so that's out the window there. But anytime you have, and and especially this time of year, Dan, I get a superior defensive team going up in a tournament style setting like this, going up against a middle of the road or worse, defensive offensive team. When you are efficient and when you can make sure that that other team does not score on possessions, that means you're going to be in the game one way or the other. Although I think it's going to be close to me uh, because of the defensive prowess and how good they have been. Uh, Sacramento state should have, uh, have this game easily won when it's all said and done at the end defense wins. Just asked Virginia last year, Sacramento state is one of the best defensive teams, certainly one of the top defensive teams in the big sky tournament to keep an eye on.
1: Yeah, that's cool. And here's the other part, Joe, uh, I'm looking at the total in this game, right? Which stands yeah. right now at 127 and a half. We have yep. talked about these trends for the last two weeks, Joe. Okay. So. Neutral site building at CenturyLink Arena in Boise, yep. right? Third time, potentially, or second time you're seeing these guys. Big-time defensive squad. You just said it will be tough if they get to 60. And now yep. what the other thing you're throwing into this, this is, I believe, at 9.30 a.m. local time.
3: Yeah, okay? correct.
1: And that's just another thing that upsets the routine for some of these 19-year-old kids, an unfamiliar building, a good defensive team, and you are completely out of your routine. They're at the arena probably already for shoot-around. Yep. You know <laughs> exactly. what I mean? So to me, you talk, you tell me otherwise, you'll call me crazy, but this yep. profile's be an underplay, in my opinion.
2: Absolutely correct. Absolutely correct, especially given the defense of, uh, of Sac State here. Right. It's uh Uh, Definitely going to be a game at 1130, guys, right off the bat. uh, It'd be nice to get a W to start your day off as uh, from 1130 on is going to be the games are going to become rolling in 31 uh, altogether. And you mentioned uh, trends here, Dane. And one of the biggest trends that we have seen in college basketball conference tournament betting Uh, when it comes to especially early round, this first round of betting going on in a lot of these tournaments you're going to see monster numbers. You're going to see teams that, let's face it, the only prayer that they have of making the tournament is by winning their conference tournament. And they certainly, they're going to be going up against teams that have proven themselves to be a lot better than, than they are. And that's why you're going to see these big spreads. But We've also seen, history tells us, that that is the exact time that you back the underdog in the early rounds of conference tournaments. So there are some games here today. We're talking about a, since 2005, underdogs of more than six points in the first round have gone 55%. They have covered against the number in the first round of oh. tournaments. So, and by the way, it's, if it gets more than that, if you start increasing it, Yeah, then the numbers go up. So when you have a couple of situations today, Idaho getting 11.5 over Southern Utah at 2 o'clock, Northwestern getting 8.5 against Minnesota in the Big Ten, Nebraska is getting 14 against Indiana, Cal's getting 9.5 against Stanford, and Vanderbilt is getting 9 against Arkansas tonight at 9 o'clock. These are all prime opportunities when upsets happen. And we're not talking about winning outright. We don't care. Sure, Cover. Sure. Number, We're yeah. done covering. These teams have nothing to lose. They know that, listen, the only chance that we have of extending our season is by play, is by winning some basketball games and bouncing out the team that was better than us. You, you put that all in a blender, neutral side games, and yeah, you've got an opportunity to score some big underdog wins here today on the card.
1: So let me ask you something, Joe. Do you even, do, by that narrative, by that logic, but maybe logic does not apply here, I can see this even more in the first half of games, right? Mm, maybe yeah, in the yeah. first half of games, these teams come out hot early, right, make their statement, but then in the second half, the talent sort of prevails a little bit more. Like, take last night Gonzaga and St. Mary's, for example, right? You know, St. Mary's was right there in the first half. They were even, I think, mm-hmm. maybe up by one at halftime. It was a one-point game at halftime. And then in the second half is when Gonzaga's like, all right, all right. Let's do what we got to do to survive in advance. Would you think, I don't know if the the trends and the numbers say that, but even maybe these, these underdog teams coming out like a house of fire, we see this in tournaments all the time where the lower seed makes their run early but fades down the stretch.
2: Well, the problem is they're not playing the Kansases of the world in the first round. Okay. They're playing middle of the road teams. So Indiana, middle of the road in, in the it's Big Nebraska. Ten, taking on a Nebraska who's getting 14 points. Nebraska already proven at times this year that, you know, when you're sleeping on them and you overvalue them, they'll come over, they'll sneak up, they'll almost win a game. They did it a couple of times. And plus, they know each other, these teams, too, because of the conference play. Sometimes it's not easy just to flip that switch. If like Gonzaga can or a Kansas can, if you're Indiana, um, you know you enough. just know yeah. you need to win in advance. So there's not a lot of stepping on the throats happening in the first half, and then before you know it. That's the problem is, oh, no, what happened? We just got to win. Like, we don't need to win by 20. Like, holy crap, we need to win. So Vanderbilt is the team that blows me away getting nine at Arkansas here tonight. How many more games does Vanderbilt have to have to win and actually have to cover? Don't forget, this is a team that beat LSU in LSU, uh, and they were, what, a 12, 13-point underdog, and they won the game outright. They did that a few times down the stretch. Now they're getting nine on a neutral side against an Arkansas team that underperformed all year. There is some value in some of these teams that are going to bring it here tonight with these big numbers just because they've got nothing to lose and they have shown it throughout the year, Dane, that, you know, give give a finger, they'll take an arm for you. We're still talking about 18- and 19-year-olds that don't know any better. You know, flipping that switch for Indiana, not as easy as it is for, let's say, or an Arkansas as it is for a Kansas or for a right. Michigan State.
1: And here's the thing, Joe. It's called survive in advance, right? Yeah, exactly. It's not called, it's not called cover and hit your bets.
0: Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So exactly. these are typically
1: with an 11-and-a-half-point spread or something like That's that. correct. If you're up by six, you know, with two minutes left to play, they're breaking it down and getting fouled and stuff like that. They're not, you know, trying to go on another five-point run to cover your bets. Okay, no so you got to gotta keep that context as well. They are trying and to survive and advance. advance, exactly it. Up.
2: So, they, and the coaches know this. It is a, listen, this is, we said, today, right? So these teams that play in the first round, in order them to keep, play, they got to keep playing. So game today, That's game right. tomorrow,
1: game I mean, stuff, it's. Survive and advance, not cover. It means to play tomorrow. Exactly. So they got to exactly. manage this on a larger scale with a broader context, right? You're sitting, guys. You're making sure they don't get foul trouble. that sort of stuff. And it's not just about covering that one game.
2: Nope. And again, unders, you know, keep that in mind, guys. The unders, neutral site games for a lot of these teams. Current forum also, like we mentioned with Oklahoma State, nobody has been hotter in the Big 12 than what Oklahoma State has is finally put it together. And it hits different teams, different programs at different times. They are a beast right now, and they're going to take over an Iowa State team that has just been flailing, uh, and they're only laying six and a half. And again, even for like an Oklahoma State team, they are just – they are all to the wall. Oklahoma State knows if we don't win this tournament or at least do some serious damage, make it to the championship game, it ain't going to happen. So they know this. It's knowing it and being able to execute. That's the difference with a lot of teams. But Oklahoma State's been able to do it. It's a big-time program. They, to me, are a great, great underdog from a conference bet, from a future bet standpoint, to actually go ahead and win that uh, and take down Kansas, uh, a team that they know. Because these teams all know one another in conference tournament. It's not we're not in the we're not in the big dance yet. Where holy crap, I've never played this team before. These teams know each other, so you're more likely to get some of these covers and upsets, yeah, it, yeah. especially early on right now. And as you can see there, guys, there are some very interesting games coming up here uh, uh, today in some, you know, Atlantic 10 uh, coming up here today. The Pac 12's got monster games. Even Conference USA getting ready to do battle here today, Uh, FAU, Marshall, FIU, a lot of these teams uh, today, this is their shot, Dane. This is their chance to be able to go, you know what, got to win, survive, advance, play tomorrow, just keep playing the next day, everything else will take care of itself.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's why this is such an exciting Point of the season and to yep. be quite honest why this stands apart from college football as we've talked about right you still have a shot you know whether you are Oklahoma State whether you're Syracuse whether you're a yep. team like Stanford you know you still have a shot if you get hot at the right time and that's part of why you know the the magic and the aura around March and March Madness is there
2: Love, absolutely uh, love it. Of course, you do have uh, the Atlantic 10, which if you don't know, that's Dayton World, people. That yeah. is uh, that is where our Dayton Flyers come in, uh, come into play. So there are some teams that getting ready to do battle today. Fordham at George Washington is one of them. Um, and listen, they own the conference. They'll probably own it again here in conference tournament time. But there's some money to be made along the way with a few of these teams. We'll dive into that conference and a few others coming up in hour number two on the grid. It is the early line on sportsgrid.com.
3: Thank you.